Tuesday edition of Canuck Central, Satyar Shah with Israel Fair in for Dan Riccio this week. And we're coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Canuck Central is for Ensign Pacific, Vancouver's premier Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, and Jeep Superstore on 2nd Avenue between Camby and Main or at EnsignPacificChrysler.ca. And as always, you can interact with us and get in touch with us on the Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. And uh, we have a lot coming up on the show. Uh, we're going to be joined by Gene Principe at 4.30 to talk about where things are tr- trending with the Edmonton Oilers, obviously, won 16 games and what's next in the Pacific Division and also uh, the All-Star Game, which is something that's coming up very, very quickly. Five Canucks players, one coach. And like the, the coach told Ian McIntyre in the article on sportsnet.ca, the Canucks crest is shining. Very bright right now. It certainly is. So uh, we'll get into that with Gene Principe. Then Earth is going to join us. Arfan Gafar coming up at five. And uh, I'm sure a big topic of conversation with Earth is going to be the Nikita Zadorov discussions that have been going on. Uh, in this market uh, in the past 48 hours, I would say now, well, 24 hours, I would say, uh, Elliot Friedman brought it up on the 32 Thoughts podcast and mentioned it on the Merrick Show. And we spoke to Don Taylor from Donnie and Dolly, and they've obviously spoken about the Nikita Zadorov situation. And the Coles notes for those, you know, tuning in is that Zadorov could potentially, by reporting from Elliot Friedman, be available in trade for the Vancouver Canucks. And since then, um, Dolly Wall mentioned that GM, uh, I keep saying GM, (laughs) agent, agent Dan Milstein, who is Zadorov and Kuzmenko's agent, uh, you know, said that he doesn't expect the trade to happen. And today Dolly Wall mentioned, uh, you know, Milstein may not be too happy about his name being out there and everything. So Zadorov has become a topic of conversation in the market. And it's actually caused quite the consternation within the fan base for those that are surprised and perhaps even a bit upset that his name is now appearing in trade rumors. Yeah, because this is a team that there are a lot of things to like about the the progression this year. Yeah. But it's really hard to just simply dismiss the physicality that Zadora has brought. And that's a thing that I think even the most extreme analytics hockey fan can look at and say, well, there's there's value there. Mm-hmm. So if you're starting there and then you're just going up the list of the the you know, the spectrum of hockey fans, that's something that's going to take on a lot of value. And we saw it in the text box yesterday. Yeah. As soon as the name Zadorov came up, a lot of people saying, don't do that. He brings that dimension, that physicality that we otherwise don't have. But if, you, if you're if you this Canucks management group, you have to look at the bigger picture. And there are some things with Zadorov that maybe counterbalance that physicality that he brings. And I'm not dismissing that the physicality is a valuable asset for this team to have and that he is probably the person on the roster best suited to bring it, they have some other things that they have to consider. I don't think that they can go into the... They would be doing themselves a disservice if they went toward the trade deadline with, we can't move this guy because he's the only one that brings this physicality. Yeah, exactly. And and I think it's such a layered situation with it. And, and I mean, you know, I know Donnie mentioned on our show yesterday and it also generated uh, quite a bit of traction with fans and being upset about, you know, reacting to the the idea of, oh, maybe Zadorov's not fitting in to the team and some of the things that he he has said he had heard, uh, Don, Don Taylor, that is, uh, about, you know, uh, Zadorov since being acquired by the Vancouver Canucks or whatever. And, and listen, all that, you know, 
may be true. We don't know exactly what has gone on. I'm not disputing anybody's reporting or suggestions of what they've heard or anything. Even if there is some sort of an awkwardness in terms of the fit, I think if you go even past that or beyond that, even if that does exist, maybe it doesn't, you know, I know, um, I'm, I'm sure Dan Milstein would push back against those types of notions, of course, from, from the player side or whatever. But a few weeks back, when we were talking about, okay, what can the Canucks do? I mentioned, yes, Kuzmenko's the obvious guy, but if, they, if they're looking to upgrade the blue line, the one guy that could find his himself on the way out is Zadorov. Not, not that I'm saying he's going to get traded or that they're looking to trade him, but if they have an opportunity to improve on the defense and they have to sacrifice somebody, it could be him despite the fact they acquired him. And not because of anything, because I, I haven't heard those things. Not to say it hasn't or whatever. I haven't heard anything. I don't know about you know his fit with the team or not. But what I did kind of figure out looking at it was if he wants big money, say five years, six years, Let's say he also wants, you know, four million, million plus or whatever. I'm not sure that price range would fit with what Vancouver is looking for. So number one. In his role. For in sure. his role, right? And if you're, you know, I'm not sure Vancouver is comfortable with that. And the second one being, if you're not comfortable paying him and you still want to add another righty defenseman, and you might look at Myers and say, hey, maybe we work something out. I know fans hate hearing it, but there might be a door that opens where he stays on a cheaper contract in mm-hmm. Vancouver, for instance. Ian Cole, um, if he stays, it's going to be a cheap contract, right? And if they're spending money on Heronic, they yeah. can't afford to spend too much on another lefty. So if you start looking at it from, okay, how is he going to fit in? There are questions about how it can work here long term. So... I think that's the bigger thing more than anything else that they've got a guy in which helped them out and not that they're going to trade him but if there's an opportunity opportunity to upgrade I don't think they're going to you know ignore that possibility because I don't think he's going to be a long-term fixture here. It was the right move to make at the time. They needed to shore that up uh the defensively. He was available really early in the, yeah. in the season that's pretty unusual and they didn't have to give anything off the roster to make that happen. So it makes a lot of sense. And what we've seen from him has been perfectly adequate, right? He's the kind of guy that you feel really comfortable rolling out on a third pair, can play second pairing minutes and second pairing role at times in a pinch. But if you are looking at this roster and you are comparing it to the other playoff teams, I'll even just stick in the West, the other playoff teams in the West and how the Canucks might match up with them. You're not going into the playoff series saying Nikita Zadorov has to be a top four guy. Does he bring that yeah. physicality element? Yes. Does he Does he maybe have a little bit more skill than you would think a player of his profile does? Yeah, yeah he does. But you just you can't limit yourself in terms of the roster building by just saying, well, here's what this player is today. Not to mention, like you said, Sat, the contract situation of is this even a guy that they're going to be trying to keep around long term if it's going to end up costing the numbers that, that you mentioned? Yeah, and the reality is uh, they're not going to keep all their UFAs, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know. And I'm not saying they're going to trade them at the deadline. I'm saying once free agency hits, they're probably not going to be able to bring all their UFAs back. So there's going to be a, a, a level of we're going to have our own rentals with this team because we're making a run. So I don't see them. It, it's not about, you know, Zadorov having term or not in terms of being the deciding factor for this season. You're you're fine with walking him to free agency. I think they're fine with it. Yeah. It's more about if a, if an upgrade is available to you and you have to move somebody, who would that guy be? And I think the way we have to look at this front office is 
they're unlike any front office we've seen in Vancouver in recent years, in recent history, that views their players a lot differently. I'm not saying they're viewing them as, as strictly assets. Yeah, it's and they're, not they're, Vegas you know, necessarily. Not necessarily, but I also think that they very much view it as we have a core group of players we want to keep. Everything else we have to be always on the lookout mm-hmm. for. And if there's an opportunity for us to get better and we have to make a tough decision, we'll make that tough, 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 tough decision. Like we're not going to say, hey, we like this guy, but we know we're not going to get better without moving him. But like they'll make the move if they feel like it's going to make their team better. Yeah, I don't I'm think, think they're, they're worried about... Um, you know, we saw it when uh, Jim Rutherford was in Pittsburgh with Tanner Pearson, getting him from L.A. and then flipping him to Vancouver. There's some history there of not, I mean, the the previous regime, not to belabor the previous yes. regime here, but I'll make a quick point. Almost every decision that was made was in reaction to a previous decision that was made mm-hmm. that was probably not aging well. Yes. Jim Rutherford and, you know, by extension, Patrick Alvin do not seem to have that problem, at least yet. Yeah. Maybe you think about, oh, the Kuzmenko extension, that that was something that maybe they should have done something else. Well, if you go back to that situation last year, you've got a guy who ended up scoring nearly 40 goals. He was on a one-year deal at barely any money. The options that they had with him last year were trade him or sign him to what ends up being a two-year deal. And the value's not there this year, but it's, it's not a contract that's going to sink the team. No. And we're now talking about, hey, He's someone that might be able to get moved. There's still some flexibility there. They're not they're not getting buried by these moves. And that they they are not concerned with, I think, the optics of, hey, you traded for this guy and immediately like the team's been winning a lot with Sidorov in the lineup. Yeah. And there was initial talk of, hey, he'd he'd love to sign a contract here. Yes. I'm sure he'd not, love to. Not yeah. from their end, right? From but like that end. was that was the the rhetoric that was, hey, he he he'd love to sign a contract here. Well, as you said, Sat, they're going to do what they feel is going to make the team better for this season and then also with a little bit of inkling of what makes sense long term. Absolutely. And, you know, I see people texting in and saying Zadorov is going to be a beast in the playoffs. He's exactly what this team needs. He's a rental, so he, who cares about his contract or whatever? And again, all fair. And the thing I'm trying to the point I'm trying to get to here is if he gets traded, it's because they can make the team better. And this front office, I don't think, is afraid of making those types of moves if they have to to make this team better. But that doesn't mean a trade is likely. It doesn't mean that we should expect by next week or in two weeks that Zdorov is going to get traded. It's more about how can you make the perfect team? And right now you have five weeks to figure that out, right? What avenues are there for you to improve your team to such a degree that you become a Stanley Cup favorite? So when we look at the weaknesses for this team, for instance, right? And we kind of we kind of hinted at this yesterday, but one of the reasons why you you would be open to upgrading if you could, right? And I'm not saying you would. It's it's either like somebody texted and said, if you're getting Chikrin, well, yeah, if you get Chikrin or something that you know, different different uh, type of player, obviously, but making a little bit more money, you have to figure out a contract long term. But I can understand, okay, you're maybe upgrading, getting younger or whatever. Sure. Yeah, and you feel like that's a guy that di- a different skill set, but top four guy. Yeah. Somebody. I mean, I could I could see a lefty in that case, but I still don't think that's likely. I think if they're trading Zadorov, it's because they're adding a right-handed defenseman. That would be my guess, my read on the situation. Now, how likely is it that they're adding a right-handed defenseman? It's the toughest market in the sport. Exactly. Every team wants to improve it. So if, if you look at this team, and we know that come playoff time, they're going to have two lefties together. The head coach mentioned about Ian Cole, who played the right side recently, that it was nice to get him back to the left side yeah. when, unfortunately, Susie got injured and Juleson coming back in because it, he was struggling to some degree, which tells you come playoff time right now, I'm not sure they feel comfortable 100% about having two lefties together. 
right? Because that can be something a team can exploit in a series. So that's one thing, if you could improve, you would, but it's not your number one priority. It's still a top six forward, yeah. right? So what other areas of this team do they need to really shore up to get themselves to that area? And hey, maybe time runs runs out on, on them and all they do is add a top six forward. But until you get to the trade deadline, you have to be open to doing everything you can to perfect this hockey team. Yeah, in this scenario, it's it's blue sky. And you're able to, to, to put out any sort of hypothetical. And it starts with, okay, the obvious hole on this team is getting another top six forward. Getting, I guess you would call it maybe the fourth guy to add to that forward group. Yeah. And then you've got some versatility. You can move some players around. Patterson can play center. Miller can play center. Maybe they bring in someone like Lindholm who could play some center if, if needed. Like You have a lot of flexibility there. And that's, that's the mm-hmm. obvious hole. But they wouldn't be doing their jobs if they were going, okay, well, like that's the only hole that we need to fill. Yeah. So you, you go to the next step. Okay, let's say we can do that. And look, that, that making that upgrade might end up being too costly yeah so then you also have to say okay well what if that's out of our price range or it's the assets that we don't want to part with where else can we get better and if you can do both great but they have to weigh all of these scenarios and that is as much as i understand the fans that are texting in saying zadorov's going to be a beast in the playoffs zadorov gives us that that physical presence that we don't have in the lineup otherwise they still have to evaluate their team outside of that yeah. vacuum mm-hmm. and go, okay, I, I, I just don't think anyone can look at that and say, you don't touch it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a perfect strength. Is it improved from the last couple of years? Heck yeah, it is so much better. We watched some really bad defensive play, which was, I would say, largely personnel and some of it systems and structure. The systems and structure have improved a lot, and then the mm. personnel has improved as well. And so it's been this huge jump. But even even so, when you look at some of the blue lines that are out there, you, you look what Colorado is able to do. You look at what how Edmonton has changed with with Ekholm. We can't. I, I don't think we can exaggerate that Edmonton's really poor start was linked in a lot of ways to Matthias Ekholm's injury at the start yeah. of the season. He was not himself until. He started, I think, about a month into the season, he started being the impact guy. And he like he's a legitimate number two, number three D-man on a good team. Since he's been right, and you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl, they've been right. The Canucks don't have that third guy necessarily. It's a little bit of a rotation yeah. between Myers, Susie when he's been healthy. Cole is a really solid player, but he's also not a guy that you're like, this guy's a top four guy immediately. And it would it would be nice to have a little bit more of an option. Um, but like you like you've said a few times, Sat, that doesn't mean that this is gonna happen. No, and, and I mean front offices are always trying to make their teams better, right? And you know, when when these I think the reason the Zadorov's name came out is because it let's say Vancouver's checking in. This is hypothetical here. Let's say Vancouver's checking in on Chris Tanev. All right, what does it take for us to get Chris Tanev? This is the price. Okay. For us to make this deal, what do we have to do? Okay, we have to shift salary out. So who do we look to move out? Okay, if we if we're looking to move, let's say Zadorov, what is his market value like? 
you check in, the name gets out. That that doesn't mean they're imminently going to trade him. It's mean they're doing their due diligence on the entire situation and saying, okay, what is our guy worth? What does the market like him for? And if we're moving him, how are we upgrading on it? But that's like a discussion that happens consistently. Now, things get out in a Canadian market. Things get out when you get closer to trade deadline, right? And this team is, is more active than anybody in the trade market in terms of uh, discussions and everything. So I wouldn't take it as this guy's getting traded for sure. I think that's why and how this stuff kind of gets out to this point. But until you hit the trade deadline, I think you're looking at a versatile top six guy. A guy can, that can play center, can play wing. And I think Lindholm fits in, as we mentioned. He can kill penalties. He can play a bunch of different positions. He's right-handed. I mean, if you really want to get crazy with it, you'd also like to add a shooter as well on that line, right? Because mm-hmm. even if you add Lindholm to this team, if you look at the top six, you're like, well, now you can have Miller and Besser together, Lindholm and Pedersen. And then you said, let's say you put Mikheyev with Lindholm and Pedersen yep. or, or Kuzmenko. You can still upgrade on Kuzmenko, can't you? I mean, ideally, you also like to get a shooting top six. You'd like to add two top six guys, right? And you also probably would like to add a, a depth forward that's big and physical, like a run guys through a wall, maybe stick up for teammates. You'd like to have that as depth as well, right? Plus a top four defenseman. That's like four that's things. A lot. <laughs> but you know what you're constructing at that point? The perfect hockey team. And every front office is probably pursuing that until the moment they can't or yeah. have to take up that pursuit the again in the offseason. Right? Okay, this isn't going to work. Let's let's move on to the next. And along the line to do those things, sometimes you have to make some really tough decisions. And that's why, you know, you hear some discussions at, at points. But I don't think it's a negative thing. And listen, I don't know about the situation with Zadorov personally or not. I can see the hockey reason for making the deal. I see the hockey reason for, for keeping him. But the reason his name is out there, I would say, is because... It's more about if the team can do certain things they would, but it's not necessarily, you know, a situation where you should expect it to happen tomorrow. Right. Yeah. And I think these conversations are going to are going to continue and the Canucks are in a fortunate position. They've put themselves there. I guess they deserve credit for that, but they they have a little running room here. And I look, I'll give them credit even if Sidorov ends up getting moved before March 8th. Yeah. That they took advantage of a situation that presented itself to them early in the season where they were able to trade for a guy who jumped into the lineup immediately, who's made an impact and not have to give up anyone off the roster. Absolutely. And I think the other thing to consider here is just because we're not hearing about other players, is it outside the realm of possibility they end up flipping Cole, for instance? Now, I don't expect it to happen, but again, I mean, he doesn't have a contract beyond this year. It's my way of saying maybe they do something we don't expect at all. And for all the names we're hearing, maybe it's somebody else that ends up going. And it wouldn't shock me with how they've approached this as a front office. I know they don't want to rock the boat too much, but um, I don't think they're as married to keeping the roster together as they would be married to the idea of making this team better as much as they can. And being able at this at this juncture to identify what that is. Yeah. Like I said, the obvious one is add another player in the top six because outside of this stretch with the lotto line, it's not like... Patterson's had a running mate that, mm-hmm. and I mean, even the lotto line, obviously the, the beginning of it was great. The, the, the reuniting of the, the lotto line, putting up four points every game. The last little stretch here hasn't been that quite kind of dominance. Can you find the fit there? But, and, and even there, as you said, Sat, you can go, okay, Lindholm would be someone who could drive play, can possess the puck. You play a bit of a high, low game with can give, uh, I think, you know, it would be quite a treat to watch Patterson and Lindholm be, players holding onto the puck in the offensive zone but then there's the jake gensel that that guy's that guy's a shooter and on the rush 
and and even you know, putting himself in spots. We know where Sidney Crosby likes yeah. to put himself on the ice and set up a guy like Jake Gensel. Could you see Patterson doing that for like you can you can start to imagine what that would look like, but it's easier said than done. They are at least in a position here just over a month out from the deadline where they have these specific areas that at least for us seem obvious places for them to upgrade. But even within that, there are some there are are some options for them as to what they truly believe will make the team better. Exactly. And I think the other part about this is no team is perfect in today's NHL, right? I mean, the closest thing we saw was the Vegas Golden Knights, and they've had their struggles, but in terms of how their team is constructed, the depth they have, and and how they can play with you know, all three of their deep pairings, all four of their lines, plus their goaltending has been solid. But there's so much parity in the league now, too, that it's going to be an imperfect team this year that wins the Cup, because every single team does have imperfection. So every team is pursuing perfection, but very few actually get there. But clearly, if this team gets one more big piece, at the very least, you give yourself a real chance. And that's why, ultimately, maybe all they end up doing is getting that forward. And then to keep the defense intact because there's only so much you can you can pull off, perhaps, right? It's not easy to do. And I don't think they're trading LaCara Mackey for a rental. You know, like I don't think that's happening. So how many assets do you have to play with? Like if you're not if you're not trading your top prospects and mm-hmm. you're willing to trade a first round pick, like it's it's hard to add a top six forward, a top four defenseman, or two top six forwards and a top four defenseman, right? Like it's it's very hard for you to pull that off. So maybe you do one and you take your chances in a lead that's pretty wide open this year. Yeah, it's it's. I guess at this point, people would probably point to Edmonton, just the way that they've been playing as being the favorite. If you were power ranking the Western teams, as good as Vancouver's been, and they deserve all the credit for where they've put themselves uh, in the standings at this point of the season. It's 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 hard to bet against Edmonton. Colorado doesn't maybe get quite the attention, but like when they're at their best, yeah. they are dangerous. And like Vegas, Vegas just did this. Yeah. <laughs> Vegas just won the cup. Yeah, they've had some injury issues. Eichel's missed some time. Stone, it's almost an annual thing now that injuries might be a factor with him. They've had a bit of you know goaltending, and they're still right there uh, at the, at the top of the division. So if if you're the Canucks, I don't think you can be satisfied with what what you have on this roster you have to look to to make it better but as as we've laid out here over the last 20 minutes there are a number of different options different avenues yeah. and they have to weigh what it means to make the team better right now versus the, the cost of, of what that's going to be and it does sound like as you're saying you know lakura mackey willander those aren't necessarily players or pieces that they want to be moving at this point yeah, no, absolutely. For rentals. No, not for rentals. And and again, like I think this a team is it's open to doing a lot of different things. And if they can get a player under term, long term, maybe they would be open to moving a guy like that and ultimately maybe to pull off something like that. But uh, I think it's fascinating to look at this front office because they're not as easily predictable as other front offices have been. And it's going to be fascinating to see what they what they do come the trade deadline. It's Israel Fair. I'm Satyar Shah. This is Canuck Central. And the iconic Coors Light Chill Train is heading to Las Vegas for the big game. And it just made a stop in Vancouver, leaving behind a trail of epic prizes on February 1st and 2nd from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. Looks for its frozen tracks at Robson Square for a chance to win instant prizes that deliver big game day chill or the ultimate grand prize, a trip to next year's big game event. Event. Learn more at CoorsLight.ca slash chill train. 
All right, more coming up. Gene Principe joins us next on Canuck Central.